Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, EncounterChurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We have been in a series for eight weeks now uh, that we're simply calling Be the Church. This is the final message. This is the wrap-up moment of this series. And I hope and I trust that, that by this point in the series that you've allowed some of what we've talked about over the last several weeks to really take root in your heart and you're, you're moving from just attending on a Sunday to truly engaging and being the church that God's called us to be. Let me remind you one final time, our mission Our purpose is to accomplish and even complete the mission which Jesus began while here on earth. And as we begin to pursue that mission, as we take the steps to be the church, we will in fact find ourselves surrounded, get ready for this, we will find ourselves surrounded by broken people. I really expected to get a little more excitement because that's what we want. The church was never created just to be a a country club hangout. We have one of those across town. The church was created to be a place where the broken, where the discouraged, where the frustrated, where the hurting could come in and find a source and a place of, of hope and resolution. So as we, the body of Christ, truly embrace this idea of being the church and we move outside of these walls and we go into our community and we go into the workplace and we go into the classroom and we go into the department store, the convenience store, and begin to impact those around us and and share the love of God with those around us, we will in fact find ourselves surrounded by broken people. And with that, we have a choice. How are we going to respond? What are we going to do? How are we going to behave? Now, in this series and throughout this series, over and over, we have heard this statement, God has chosen you. Now, some of you struggle grabbing a hold of that, even though we've mentioned it numerous times and you've heard it over and over, you struggle with that idea, why would God choose me? Why? Well, simply because you are his. You are his chosen venue, you are his chosen vessel that he desires to use to reach this world for the kingdom of God. So we have a choice. Are we willing to accept that calling? But here's the deal. We can't just accept that calling and say, well, I accepted it on such and such date, on such and such year, and move on. No, 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 no. We've got to get and stay motivated. Sometimes that's hard. Yes? How many of you remember, maybe, maybe you grew up in the church, maybe you didn't, but if you grew up in the church and you went to youth camp or kids camp, you came back from camp and you were super excited. You were ready to take the world by storm. You already had like three or four points of how you were going to convert your entire junior high or high school for the kingdom of God. You were ready to go, right? Do you remember those days? But soon what happened, that fire 
begin to fizzle. And you found yourself just kind of going through the routines and, and not really making an impact. Well, the fear that I would have was that we would come out of this eight-week series, we would come out of this really turning point moment, and I don't know if you've experienced it, but from up here I've seen a, a shift or a turnaround of what's happening. Truly, this body is beginning to be the church. But if we just get motivated and leave it there, what's going to happen? That motivation, sooner or later, is going to fizzle. And we'll find ourselves, once again, just going through the routines. Coming in, oh, good morning, brother. Great to see you in the house of God. I'm going to my normal seat where I sit every single Sunday. I'll stand up because Andy says I have to. I'll sit down with gratitude. And we just go through the routines. And once again, finding ourselves missing the points of why we've gathered together. Today, I want to talk with you about not only getting motivated, but staying motivated and allowing that motivation to spread to those around us. The Bible says that, that we are to sharpen one another. In other words, we're to encourage one another. We're to help one another. Here's the deal. God is looking for people who will make a difference in the difficult places of life. Are you willing to be that person? That's hard. Because we would rather that say God is looking for people who will make a difference in the easy times of life. God is looking for people that will make a difference when everything is so simple. But can I just tell you this world is anything but simple and anything but easy? This world is difficult. In fact, the Bible says that there are going to be people. Are you ready for this encouraging word? Get ready. There are people that are going to hate you because of him. But does that stop us from being the church? No. Our purpose, our mission is to complete and accomplish that which Jesus began while here on earth. We must get and stay motivated because God is looking for people who will make a difference in the difficult places of life. It's so important that we realize that God is sending us people whose lives are in a constant need of rebuilding. Every Sunday, God sends us somebody new who's in the need of being rebuilt. And I believe that he's encouraging us, you and, and me, every one of us, to evaluate and even strengthen our faith and if necessary, rebuild in our lives those areas that have been decaying or worn down by the constant impact or assault of this culture upon our faith. Because if we don't have a, a solid foundation, then it doesn't matter what we build upon that foundation, it's going to fall down. We can't start out there until we do the work here. Are you trekking with me? Are you, are you following along? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Church, if we want to be the church, 
Jesus looked at Peter and said, the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not conquer because he's building upon a rock. We have to, we have to, we must. It's vital that we build upon this solid, firm foundation. In fact, that may mean that you've got some personal work to do before you really can do anything out there. Let me move on. I know this may sound huge. It may seem almost impossible in your mind but the reality is that god has called us to do individually and corporately what he's called us to do are you grabbing that he's called us to do what he's called us to do that means we've got to do it the bible tells us to be deliberate in thinking of ways to motivate others now if you're not motivated you can't motivate somebody else right look at hebrews chapter 10 it says let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works i ask you today are you motivated to be the church because if you are not motivated to be the church then how will anyone else follow how will anyone else come to that place that understanding that knowledge of the good news of jesus christ god is looking for motivated people are you willing to be motivated the problem is there are times in life that we find it difficult to be motivated anybody ever have moments when you have difficulty being motivated like 6 30 on a tuesday morning <laughs> let me give you three three primary reasons why we lose motivation number one there's a lack of confidence we're not really motivated because we don't really believe that we can be successful Man, I'm not real excited about doing this because I'm not sure that, that I can even accomplish the task. What's the point in trying, right? The way that you get out of this pattern of thinking is you begin to focus on who you are in Christ. Can I, can I remind you for a moment who you are in Christ? The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that you are a child of the Most High God. This alone, these statements alone, and by the way, there are so many more, these statements alone should rejuvenate your confidence. They should get you motivated to achieve great things for the kingdom of God. Don't allow Satan to distract you with a lack of confidence. Number two, a lack of focus. If you don't know what you want, do you really want anything at all? Think about this. If you haven't really discovered what you want, do you really want anything at all? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, the people will perish. One translation said they stumble all over themselves. They don't even know where to go. Why? Because there's a, a lack of focus a lack of drive, a lack of purpose in their life. Would you allow God to place that vision in you? Would you allow God to place that focus upon your life? And number three, a lack of direction. 
If you don't know what to do, how can you motivate someone else to do it? There's a lack of direction. You haven't taken the time to seek after God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be laid out for you. He says, don't trust in your own understanding, but lean upon him. He'll make your path straight. See, you don't have to have it all figured out. That's encouraging. Because I don't know about you, but 45 years into this thing, I'm still, every day is a brand new day. I'm still trying to figure it out. There are still days that I'm like, I don't even know how to adult. Right? But if we seek after God, the Bible says he will never, ever, 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 ever leave us. In fact, he will lead the way in your life. So this morning as we're talking about motivation i want to go back to an old testament book some of you may have never read from this book before it's a great book it's a memoir or a diary if you would of a man by the name of nehemiah he is sharing a, a first-hand account of what's happening what's going on in his life so i want to i want to read to you just the very first few verses of nehemiah chapter one and in this he begins to talk about how to be motivated even when there's opposition in front of you. Take a look at this. Nehemiah chapter 1, the second portion of the first verse. It says, In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. This is his, his motherland, his, where all of his people were. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, Nehemiah says, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. I want you to understand something here. Nehemiah was under no obligation to do anything at all. He had a good job. He was a cupbearer for the king. Everything was going well. There was really no need in his life for a change. Everything was great. But after praying and seeking after God, he not only became motivated, but he prepared to act and do something about the situation. For us, we would say he began, began to be the church. See, I think Nehemiah's situation is very similar to ours we look at our culture, we look at our society, and it in fact is broken. People are hurting. When he got to Jerusalem, they weren't motivated. I would venture to say that there are many people in our culture that aren't motivated. They felt defeats. They were apathetic. They were living among ruins. 
Twice in the last 90 years, somebody had come in to try to rebuild the walls, and both times they had failed, so there was no confidence. Everything was negative. For 90 years, everything has been the same, and nothing could be done about it. But Nehemiah arrived on the scene, and within a matter of days, under his leadership and the motivation that God placed in him, come on, somebody, He rallies the support of the entire city. Together, they mobilized and motivated one another and rebuilt the walls in 52 days. What those in the culture, what those in society, what those in the area around were saying could not be done. I would venture to say there were naysayers that probably said, well, I see what Nehemiah is trying to do and they've tried that before. Same trick. It didn't work last time. In fact, it didn't work the last two times. For the last 90 years, it's been the same way. Nothing's going to change. Everybody's always going to be the same. Apparently, they sound like Barney Fife. (laughs) But Nehemiah realized there had to be some motivation. So he went in. He began to mobilize the troops, mobilize the workers. And in 52 days, The task was accomplished. The question that begs to be asked is how did Nehemiah pull off what no one else could do over the last 90 years? That's what I want to look at for the next few moments this morning. Five principles, five principles of motivation. Number one, you may be motivated to do something others probably aren't. You may be motivated to do something others probably aren't. In verse 10 it says, but when Senballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Amorite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Have you ever gotten yourself so excited, so hyped up, you're ready to be the church you're ready to do something great for the kingdom of god and suddenly bam somebody around you throws cold water on your excitement the fact is the moment you say let's do something let's do that let's do this let's accomplish this great task there's always that one individual that says nah let's don't have you ever noticed that When God says, let's build, the enemy sends somebody along that says, no, 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 let's rise up in opposition. Not everyone is going to want to follow your passion. I've learned that in ministry. Over the last over 20 years of ministry, I discovered that even though God places a passion upon the leadership heart, there's going to be somebody that says, nah. For the last 90 years, we've done it this way. There's no need to do it any different. Others have come in and they tried this or they tried that. It didn't make really a change. Let's just stay the same as we have always been. Not everyone is going to see things the way you see them. But your goal must, to keep fo- must be to keep focused on the call that God has placed upon your life. Unfortunately, this not only happens in the culture around as you begin to embrace those outside of these walls 
As you begin to attempt to make an impact for the kingdom of God, there are going to be those that that try to dampen that passion, that try to squelch the calling that God has on your life. It happens on the outside, but honestly, it happens on the inside as well. Church, I would encourage you as a body of believers, rally together. Don't work in opposition. See, the only way that Nehemiah was able to motivate motivate the people is because they got on the same page. They began to move together. They began to function as a team. I would encourage you, work together as a team. Nehemiah has not even arrived in Jerusalem yet, and already there's opposition. And here's what I've discovered. Nothing will stop your enthusiasm and motivation faster than opposition. Nothing will stop your enthusiasm and your motivation faster than opposition. But did Nehemiah stop? No. No, it's very evident he didn't stop because 52 days later, there was a wall built. Why why did Nehemiah not stop? Because he knew the reason for his action. He knew the reason why he was doing what he was doing. Verse 3, for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. I ask you today, do you know what motivates you? Do you know the reason why you do what you do? What is it that motivates you to be the church? It's a question that only you can answer for yourself. I don't have the answer for what motivates you. I know what motivates me, but I don't know about you. See, the only way that you can ever continue to push forward in that motivation and in that passion amongst the opposition is to know why you do what you do. Because here's a motivational law that happens every time. There's, there is little opportunity without opposition. You're going to face the opposition. The only way to counteract the opposition is to know why you're doing what you're doing. Principle number two. When you are motivated, timing is everything. Now again, this is going to be more a teaching style. I'm having a hard time making it that. But it should be more teaching style uh, today. So I want to talk about that. Why is timing everything? Why is timing so important? Look at verse 11 and 12. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Nehemiah again is speaking. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Have you ever been motivated to do something, something that you thought was an incredible idea? I mean, this is the best idea in the world. And when you begin to share it with somebody, it's almost as if it fell on deaf ears. Have you ever had a a good idea killed by bad timing? Maybe you're not really sure what that means. Let Let me process that for you a little bit. Timing makes a huge difference. Nehemiah, the Bible says, he stopped, stopped for three days. He arrived in Jerusalem, and then we skipped three days, and he says, three days later, I slipped out during the night. 
There was something that happened in those three days. Nehemiah, he doesn't make some grand appearance into Jerusalem. He doesn't come in with a grand parade. He doesn't have all these flags and all the fireworks and the pyrotechnics going off. He doesn't have a band in front of him. He doesn't ride in on a big white horse of some sort. He doesn't proclaim, I'm here to save the day. Right? He's not Mighty Mouse. He doesn't instantly begin to instruct them, now you get to work and you get to work and you get to work and we all have something to do. We've got to rebuild the wall. No, that's not what he does. We don't know what he did for three days. He could have been resting from his trip. He could have been praying and and seeking after God. After all, we know that he was a praying man because we just read that he spent time crying out to the God of the universe. He could have been planning and looking for the best strategy. He might have been just building curiosity amongst the people, kind of slip into town and you begin to hear the whispers. Did you see? Nehemiah's here. What's Nehemiah doing in town? Building excitement. We don't know what he did, but he realized that he had to be aware of the timing. When you were out being the church, as you're building relationship, as you're sharing the message of Jesus, remember, timing is everything. As you're building that relationship, as you're making that investment, it may not be the appropriate time, the first time you meet the person, to look at them in the eyeball and go, you know what, if you don't get right, you're going to hell. That may not be effective. But maybe, maybe you build that relationship with them. Maybe you begin to live the life in front of them. Maybe you begin to share with them, hey, you know what, I've been praying for you. Maybe you begin to look at the situation they're in and go, man, is there anything I can do for you? Do you you need to talk? Maybe you're just hanging out with them and you're sharing the the good news of Christ through your everyday conversation. Maybe you're bringing them with you to church. Maybe they're with you here this morning. But you've taken the time to build that relationship. Solomon says it this way, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. If you're going to motivate anyone Pick and choose the timing to talk and to share. Jesus, he understood this many times in his ministry, even on the onset, he would say this, it's not yet my time. My time hasn't come yet. Why? Because Jesus knew that timing was everything. So here's our law. Be alert and prepared for the right time. How do you do that? You listen to the voice of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. You don't know the right timing? Talk to God. You don't know what you should say? Don't speak on your own because you will surely mess it up. Listen to the voice of God. How do you listen to the voice of God? Well, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. How do I interpret that? Sit down and shut up. That would be my translation. Aren't you glad that there's not a Pastor Chris translation out there? (laughs) But I think that's what that means, because sometimes we, we struggle with just being still. 
We, we start our prayer time with really good intentions, and God, man, I'm just going to seek after you. God, I'm going to follow after you, and then I've got to go over there, and I've got to work on that project because that's got to get done. And God, I'm, I'm going to worship you. God, I just want to seek your face. I want to follow after you. Oh, lunch today. I think Taco Bell sounds really, really good. And, right? Come on, am I the only one? You guys are looking at me like, oh, no, Pastor Chris, I never struggle with that. My mind is always in tune with the spirits moving. And then you woke up. <laughs> be still and know that I am God. There's got to be those moments that we just listen to the voice of God and, and listen to the timing of God. God, what would you have me do? God, how should I move forward? God, what should I say? God, what steps do you want me to take? Lord, is now the opportunity that you've laid before me? And get ready because when he says go, it's time to go. When he says, speak, it's time to speak. Again, Solomon says, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Look at principle number three. When you're motivated, do your homework. What does that mean for us as we look at being the church? It simply means that we get to know the person. What makes them tick? What breaks their heart? What makes them excited? What's their home life like? What are their hobbies? What do they enjoy? Who are they? Get to know the individual. A couple of weeks ago, I, I had you make a list of five people. I think it was last Sunday. Make a list of five people. The neighbors, do you remember that? Who are the neighbors? Who is God having you invest in? Here's what you need to do with those five. You need to begin to do your homework. What is the greatest need with number one? What is number two going through in their life? Is there something I can do to encourage or motivate or, or help number three? What's number four facing? Are they struggling at work? What about number five? You see, you've got to do your homework. You've got to know. If you're really going to be the church, if you're really going to be effective, you've got to know what's happening here in those five, before you can ever make the investment in them. Nehemiah says in chapter 2, verse 13, After dark I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate, I'm sure that's not a very great place, to inspect the broken walls and burnt gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. Can you imagine that? I mean, how bad did it have to be for the donkey not to be able to get through? So though it was still dark, I went up the Kindron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. He personally inspected the damage in the middle of the night. He took a small group of people with him. He obviously didn't want to attract attention. Why? Because timing is very important. But this is the very lonely part of being the church. This is the lonely part of leadership. This is the hard part. This is where it's behind the scenes. It's just processing through. It's the part that no one ever really 
hears about. It's the guy doing his preparation. He's checking out the situation. He's getting all of the facts. It's taking the time to invest in the person over and over and over and over again. Chapter 2, verse 16 says, The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. Why was Nehemiah being so secretive? I believe it's because he didn't want the plans to be stalled before he got out of the gates. Again, 90 years of negativity. Could you imagine 90 years of negativity, 90 years of it can't be done, over and over. They tried it once, they tried it twice. No one's able to change anything. Negativity over and over and over. And here's what I've discovered. Or question, is it easier to promote a good idea or to kill a good idea? Oftentimes it's easier to kill it, isn't it? Why? Because the negative voice it oftentimes overpowers the positive voice. So what do we do? We know what motivates us. We continue to press forward. You get to know the person. You get to know the situation. Jesus himself said, you got to count the cost. Look at what's happening. Our law here is protect your plans from premature death. Protect your plans. Nehemiah understood his opposition. After all the paperwork, Nehemiah was ready for the fourth step to motivate people. Look at step number four, principle four. When you're motivated, be willing to identify with others. When you're motivated, be willing to identify with others. In verse 17, he says, But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we are in. In fact, he, he lays it out pretty clear. He says, guys, we've got major issues here. You've been a part of this for 90 years now. You, you've attempted a couple times, and, and things really haven't gotten any better. In fact, things are really, 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 really bad. You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. You see, in order to motivate anyone, first off, you have to be motivated. And secondly, you have to associate with them. You have to identify with them. We discussed it a few weeks ago. Paul says this, I become all things to all people. Why? So that I can reach some for the kingdom of God. Nehemiah, he didn't walk up to the outsider and, and say, you guys are a bunch of failures. You guys are no good at all. You can never rebuild. It's been 90 years and you've gotten nothing done. He didn't do that, did he? 
when you blame others, you decrease your potential. When you blame others, you decrease your potential. But when you partner with them, you increase your opportunities. He says, guys, I'm one of you. We're in this together. We've got this journey together. This is our problem. And here's the law that I've noticed. The best ideas are not mine or yours. The best ideas are ours. This is our problem. This is our journey. You may have been called by God to accomplish a great task, but you may need a team around you. No man was ever created to be an island. Not a single one of us have ever been designed to do this thing called life alone. We need one another. And number five, very quickly, when you're motivated, ask for a specific response. When you're motivated, ask for a specific response. Verse 17 says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Things are in ruins. There's a problem in front of us. So what do we do? We rebuild the walls. We end the disgrace. He doesn't just pump them up. He gives them something to do. He makes a call for action, appeal for help, a specific response. As you're beginning to make that investment in your list of five, you will come to the point that you need to ask for some form of response, a specific response. Can we talk? Can I pray with you? How can I help you? Would you come to church with me? Have you given your life to Christ? Would you like to do that right now? I don't know what the call to response might be in your situation. It depends on where you are in that relationship. But there comes a moment you must have that call of response. Yes, Nehemiah saw how bad things were. He tells them the walls have been destroyed, the gates have been burned, but he doesn't give up. He doesn't say everything is destroyed, it's impossible. What he does say is just the opposite. Let's rebuild. Let's end the disgrace. He sees hope that is available. I ask you today, do you see the hope that Jesus has available for our community, for your family, for your neighbors, for your co-workers, for our nation? Do you see that hope? If you don't, you're going to have a hard time motivating somebody else in that. The old hymn of the church says this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood in righteousness. Here's our motivational law. Remember, there is hope amongst despair. As a believer, as a Christian, we must grab a hold of this truth. There is hope amongst despair. We must learn to, to pass on that hope to a hopeless world. And as a church, let's take the steps needed to call for a response. Let's bring them to Jesus. The wall around Jerusalem was not going to be built 
until someone stood up and said, you know what? I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I'm willing to do what no one else wants to do. I ask you, as we wrap up this idea of Be the Church, my heart's desire is that it doesn't end with the series, but we continue to be the church. Are you willing to put forth the effort that is needed to not only stay motivated yourself, but to look for opportunities to motivate others toward Christ? This is only accomplished when we choose to be the church. Are you ready? It's time to rebuild the walls. It's time to end the disgrace. There's a lot of broken, possibly in here, but there's a lot of broken all around us. God wants to remend. God wants to restore. God wants to use you 